0: Better safe than sorry. Always be closing. Clichés are clichés because they are true. Now you can add a new cliché to your list. Only fools miss an episode of Parsha Podcast, the podcast for the spiritually curious. Now let's learn some deep Torah. Here's your host, Rabbi Goldman. Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of the Parsha Podcast. I had the privilege of hearing some feedback from a few of you over this past week, and I have to say, it's always great to hear how you enjoy the Parsha Podcast, what it's teaching you, and so on. So please, um, don't be stingy, and I ask you to send me your feedback. The good, the bad, the ugly, it all helps encourage the production and continuity and consistency this This week we're going to be talking about how to argue, how to disagree, how to dispute something that our society is sorely, sorely in need of some training and lessons in how to do it the right way, what to avoid, and what really are the fundamental principles that underlie a good dispute or good argument, how to go about it in the best possible way. So I want to share with you a Midrash. There's a teaching in the Midrash. Bereshit Rabbah. It says that when Hashem created the world at the end of each day He said it was good and Hashem saw that it was good it says that about every day of creation except for one day the second day which was Monday now why is Monday cursed to not be considered a day where the creation was good and you might say because that's the day everyone goes back to work but The answer is that that day, division was introduced into the world. For the first time, oneness was separated and carved into two. That was the day the waters were separated with the creation of the heavens, the firmament, the rakia. And so the Midrash says, this is when division was introduced into the world, so God could not say that that day was a good day. Very interesting idea. The origins of dispute and division begin on day two of creation with the division of the waters above and below. I want to take you now to another source in the Torah. This time it's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of the Fathers. Where in chapter 5 we read, Every dispute that is for God's sake will in the end endure, but one that is not for God's sake will not endure, which is the dispute that is for God's sake. Such was the dispute of Hillel and Shammai. Hillel and Shammai were two sages in the Mishnah who disagreed about virtually everything they could possibly disagree upon, but their disputes are considered to be for the sake of God. Now, which is the controversy, the dispute that is not for God's sake? Such was the dispute of Korach and all of his congregation. And this brings us to our parsha, where Korach, who is a cousin of Moshe and Aaron, stands up and challenges their leadership, declaring that we are all holy. Who made you in charge? Why do you have to be the leaders? We can all be leaders. And essentially, he was gunning for the position of the Kohen Gadol, the chief of all the priests in the temple. And this moment was a tremendous dispute and really is the, the archetype of Jewish politics that we somehow seem to always fall into. Um, the, the, the disagreements and disputes in Jewish community life all trace themselves one way or another back to this week's parasha, Korach. Now, we want to analyze the origins, the, the philosophical and cosmic origins of this dispute and of all disputes, in order to arrive at an understanding of what is the, the, the right way to go about debating, disagreeing, arguing, and so on. Because the Mishnah is giving us this option that there is something called a dispute that's for God's sake that will endure. Seems to be a positive. It's not like the Mishnah is saying there's Korah who disagrees and disputes, and then there's good people who don't disagree and dispute. No. There's a good way of disputing and there's a bad way of disputing. So we want to understand what is this positive dispute approach. The dispute for God's sake is not a zero-sum game with a winner and a loser. A dispute for God's sake is really more like a partnership where the engagement and the entanglement between the two parties leads to the best of both being expressed in the final resolution. When you go in, how is that possible? How can a person engage in a dispute with another party with whom they disagree, they see things from a very different perspective, how is it possible to go into such a dispute with the uh, with the end being that it's not a zero-sum game, I win, you lose, I proved you wrong, but rather it's a, a, a net gain where the best of both sides is expressed in the final resolution. So it all depends on the the attitude you have going in. If your approach is to have it go your way, and that's your goal, when you engage in the discussion, in the the debate, then you're already on the wrong track. And for that we say it will not endure. It's not going to succeed and it's not going to last. However, if you enter the dispute with an eye towards harmonizing the differences so that a greater truth can emerge. In other words, you walk into this dispute hoping to learn something. You're open to hearing what they have to say because you believe they have a truth that you don't have. And you want that this engagement with the other party should lead to the learning, to the growth that comes from learning and hearing another perspective. In that case, you're on the right track and it will endure... And it will lead to that happy ending. But again, we have, to, we have to ask, why dispute at all? Why does the Mishnah not aim for a world free of disputes? And in our tradition, we never seem to advocate for that. In this Mishnah, you see it brought to bear. You can choose to dispute like Korach, or you can choose to dispute like Hillel and Shammai. But why do we have to dispute in the first place? Can't we just aim for a world? Will we all get along? Can't we all just get along? Imagine, imagine, imagine. So the Jewish, the Jewish answer would first of all be, you want to know why we have to dispute? Why not? But besides for that, the explanation is that truth contains opposites. Truth with a capital T always is a paradox. A truth that is only one-dimensional, is not the ultimate truth. The right doesn't have all the answers, and the left doesn't have all the answers. What they do have is true points. Each side has true points. But everything that is true with a capital T is paradoxical and sustains opposite points simultaneously. Every single time. So to get at the truth... We need a representative from one side and a representative from the other side. That is, we need a dispute. It is exactly the recipe towards getting toward the truth. But it has to be a dispute for God's sake. It can't be a dispute for my sake. It has to be a dispute that's aimed from the outset at discovering the truth greater than what I have now. And the truth that I can only access through you. I need you to get at that truth, to get at, to get at that element, that angle that's missing in my mindset. By engaging with you and by grappling to expand my mindset and make room to include your perspective, I can really get at the ultimate truth. And this is not only the path to truth, but it's also the path to true unity. Unity is not conformity. We can, never, we can never advocate for a unity that means everybody shut up and listen to me. That's not unity. Everybody stop thinking differently and let's all agree and think the same way. That's not unity. It's dangerous and it's far from the truth. A true unity respects every individual aspect and enables all of them to coexist without conflict. Why? Because we appreciate that we all need each other. We appreciate the fact that no one individual can have the entire truth. It's impossible. The only way to get at the ultimate truth is by engaging with another party who sees things differently, enabling them to make to have a place in your mind, to have a place in your life. And that's how we get to unity, and that's how we get to the truth. This dynamic is reflected in Judaism's unique approach to physicality. Many other religions and spiritual paths retreat from engaging with the material world in an effort to arrive at spiritual truth. Some religious leaders are taught to avoid marriage and pursue celibacy. Some religions preach silence and aloofness as a path to enlightenment. Money is sometimes seen as the root of all evil, and so on and so forth. Judaism says, if you want to find truth, go to shul with other people and wrap physical tefillin on your arm and head. You want to you find the biggest truths of the world? Go raise a noisy and expensive family and work at a career and juxtapose that with Shabbos to be whole and find the deepest truth. Matter of fact, the device you are using right now to listen to this very podcast is a beautiful illustration of the very Jewish approach to the physical world, a material object being utilized to facilitate the study of Torah worldwide. And as always, ultimate fusion leads to a far better result had we as a people eschewed materialism, you wouldn't be able to hear this lesson at all. I wouldn't believe in recording it on my physical smartphone. And therefore, you couldn't hear it on your physical smartphone. Instead, we believe that our goal in this world is that the the ultimate truth is not to be found in the self-absorbed pursuit of profound ideas, but in living a life that brings fusion between heaven and earth. And that is our purpose in this world, combining a yearning for transcendence with a commitment to practical action guided by the Torah. The tension that this produces is our daily dispute for God's sake. Each one of us experiences a a daily dispute for God's sake. We all have to struggle finding that balance and navigating these tensions but it's an, it's, it's an absolute obligation. We have no other approach, approach, we have no other path. This is the only way to get to ultimate truth and ultimate unity. <clears throat> now this is also the deeper meaning in the Mishnah's description of Korach's dispute not enduring. Since his approach was mistaken, his approach, if we look back at it now, We can say that Karak's approach was the zero-sum game approach. My way or the highway. We cannot combine. We cannot fuse. I refuse to compromise. I refuse to sell out. And Karak was a purist, in a way. There's only one way it can be. He refused to accept that truth can come from a collision of opposites. But when we say that his, his dispute will not endure, what we're really saying is, since his approach was mistaken... Ultimately, division will not endure. By hook or by crook, unity will eventually come. May Hashem bless us all that through our efforts to combine the opposites in our lives, whether those opposites are the tension between the spiritual and the physical, whether it's the tension between a man and a woman, whether it's between friends or groups in a community, or even between broader nations. It's the same recipe every time. We have to allow for the other perspective. We have to make room to understand that no one entity has all the truth. We all need each other to get to the ultimate truth. And in doing so, we bring unity to the world. And the time of Mashiach may it come speedily in our days. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that you've taken the time To join us on the Parsha podcast. I'd like to ask you to reflect on whatever we we just discussed in the Parsha podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. What are some other lessons and takeaways that you can take from the topics we discussed? Please send me your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at rmg at jewishwaterloo.com. Any and all feedback, constructive criticism, compliments, and so on, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.